0: That, we're
1: uh We're a go. We're a go. Well, welcome back to the podcast, Savor the Burn, ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems. <laughs> I'm your uh, host slash co-host, Jonathan.
0: It's been a week, but it actually seems a little bit longer.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know why, but... A lot of stuff goes on during the week. And the other voice you're hearing is W2, also known as Wayne. He's a hell of a guy. <laughs> and uh, last week, we, uh, we tested...
0: We tasted the 10-Year Widow Jane Straight Bourbon Whiskey, and then the Yellowstone Select Kentucky Straight Bourbon.
1: And that Yellowstone Select Kentucky Straight Bourbon, it I remember it, it had a, a great smell. Uh, there was uh, banana, vanilla, uh, some kind of spice in there happening, and then uh, when I tasted it, it was a wow, because it was way different, I think, tasting than it, than it smelled. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, very interesting. And yeah, the,
0: that yellow Yellowstone Select had a dash of rye spice with banana, mm-hmm. and then dried cherries, caramel, and the licorice.
1: Mm-hmm. Licorice, and I'm a fan of rye. Uh, some are, some aren't. Whatever, it's all good. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of rye, so uh, I didn't really. I don't. I don't remember tasting the rye so much in that one. I didn't either. But. This week, we've got a couple more that we're going to try out, and they're both scotch. We've got a a Compass Box, The Pete Monster, which is a blended malt whiskey. Retails for roughly $67. A bottle, it is 92 proof at 46%, from Scotland, and it is a blended malt whiskey, like we said. What's the other one?
0: The other one is a Highland Park. The Viking Honor 12-Year Single Malt. And uh, contrast with the Compass Box, which is a blended malt whiskey, this one's a single malt.
1: So it's a very one-off flavor versus a very uh, generic, across-the-board, refined kind of flavor. Yeah. I would find that to be more interesting.
0: You know, as I've kind of dug into the world of whiskeys and bourbons, I've gravitated towards the single batch Mm
1: -hmm.
0: uh, releases. Elijah Craig is a single batch Mm -hmm. uh, bourbon. Um,
1: And it's a fantastic bourbon. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, What's the other one that's coming to mind? Um, Four Roses. Four Roses. They have a... I, I don't think all of theirs is, but they definitely have a single batch select variation and I think the idea is that that small single barrel type release so yeah you get you get something just a little bit different uh in each barrel you know depending on how it was aged you know the uh, the intervals between them turning the barrels mm-hmm. or this corner of the the cellar versus that corner of the cellar and
1: all those little differences can make uh well huge differences
0: yeah you know something like jefferson uh reserve they've put out their uh their voyager uh series um that's their bourbons that they've loaded up the barrels onto ships and sailed them around the world for however long it takes to finish the aging process and so you get the Uh, the agitating occurs at sea with uh, the waves and all that. Yeah,
1: there's no escaping agitation at sea.
0: Yeah, and it's crazy too because I've got a bottle upstairs and you do pick up that sea salt flavor. It does have a
1: briny briny back end Mm -hmm. on it. Yeah, when we played uh, Grindfest here in KC with uh, Burn the Gates and several other really great bands, there was a... uh, you you brought a little bit for the band to try, That's right, and it I was did. it was I don't know I think shocking is too strong of a word, but it <laughs> was it was well fuck it it was shocking that it was how um, how you could taste the influence of the sea yeah in in that little flask it was it and, was and really good and you couple good.
0: that with the natural caramel flavors that come uh, from the Jefferson Reserve mm. you get that salted caramel kind of a profile.
1: It's very interesting. So today we're gonna try first the Compass Box Pete Monster. This one here. This one. And once again we're using the Glen Cairn glass.
0: Glassware from Scotland.
1: So when we look at it, it's not it's not a, it's not very dark, it's very light. Uh, What did they call it here? Pale straw? Pale straw. Yeah. Yeah,
0: And it's definitely that.
1: I accidentally dripped some on my uh, cheat sheets here. It's not overly peaty, not overly smoky.
0: No, but there's a great smoke. Yeah. smell from it.
1: Some folks don't like scotch because of that. Uh, or maybe it's got some kind of strong harshness that catches people off guard. And it can. It can do that. But the uh, the thing I like about it is uh, it reminds me of drinking whiskey at a bonfire. Mmm. Smells Smells incredible.
0: Yeah, it's got a real, real nice aroma to it.
1: I'm going to give it a little taste here.
0: I'm picking up definitely that salty, briny, um, maybe a salted butter. The tasting notes say coastal aromas. I think that probably speaks to the salt.
1: Well, here in landlocked Kansas City, I don't really get too much exposure to the coastal regions. But I have visited, and this does not remind me of coastal anything. (laughs) Let's see here. Uh, the flavor taste palette says it's light, which it is. It says uh, multi-layered smokiness and medicinal peat notes. And oh, and medicinal... Multi-layered is the right word. Very, Very much so. There's, There's a lot going on with this, and it's incredibly smooth for a scotch.
0: What do you read into the medicinal
1: peat notes? Medicinal? Man, I don't know. Like... <clears throat> Uh I
0: mean I mean I guess yeah I could I could see you know it does have kind of that uh medicine cabinet kind of a
1: Right I I don't know what it is in the medicine cabinet that that smells that that they would be describing like besides <laughs> uh like vapor rub or uh something very uh aromatic like uh, a Bengay vapor rub um
0: medicated gauze pads or something to that effect
1: <laughs> but when i'm when i'm sipping whiskey or or scotch medicinal never really came to mind so now now that it's in my head i might be stuck with that
0: <laughs> it so, took me a uh it took me a while to really gather a an appreciation and uh and palate for scotches okay but this is this is really good i'm enjoying this
1: yeah it is and it says uh, it's balanced by a creamy character, and the sweetness of orchid. Oh, <laughs> orchard fruits. I was gonna say orchids don't have fruits.
0: <laughs> and it says uh, finish is sweet and creamy.
1: And it it does. It's very sweet. I mean, it's not sweet like um, oh, like a flavored kind of whiskey or liqueur. Like um, what's the one I was asking about earlier? Screwball. Screwball. You know, that's like liquid. Syrup, Peanut butter syrup, if there is such a thing. This is not like that, of That's course. a little it,
0: bit different of a drinking experience. It's
1: sweet in the way that uh, whiskeys and scotches can be. But it still, it smells amazing. And it tastes, well, even better. I'm going to jump right into a story. Does Anytime. it involve you getting into Acclimated or whatever the right word is to uh, scotch?
0: I think so, yeah. It's a... Uh, It starts off not so much about me, but Mm -hmm. uh, what I think about every time that I have or uh, think about scotch. All right. So uh, we talked a little bit last week about my love of motorcycles, Mm -hmm. and I have gone to Sturgis for the uh, motorcycle rally uh, many, many years. The first year I ever went was 2005, and uh, my uh, good buddy Mitch and I... Teamed up with uh, another good friend uh, who has since passed away. Uh, rest in peace, the Harley man. He took us to Sturgis for our first ride up there. He introduced us to a, uh, a couple guys that he knew that were part of the Shriners uh, motorcycle crew. Okay. Um, Charlie and Kenny and. Kenny rode a beautiful, beautiful uh, Dyna lowrider. But in the Shriner Circus, uh, he mm-hmm. did a lot of the, the stunt stuff. And uh, he actually had a, a full, uh, big, ultra, classic uh, dresser bike. But that particular year, he had his, uh, his little Dyna uh, lowrider. And one night, sitting around the campfire... Uh, it, It it was still early evening, so the sun was still out in that. And the campground that we went to, obviously, like I said, it was our first time there. But this particular crew of people had not only stayed at this campground many, many years previous, they camped in the same spot every year they came up. They got to know the owners of the campgrounds, and they set that uh, particular spot aside from them. Every time that they'd come up. So uh, there was a tree, side story, a uh, tree there that had scorch marks top to bottom. It had been struck by lightning twice. Oh, wow. Same spot, same tree, struck by lightning twice. One of the times, and both times, was during a Sturges bike rally week that they were present for. And one of the times, apparently, uh, one of one of the crew that was there at the time... Uh, was sitting on a metal fold-out table that was leaned up against the tree. Oh no! When the lightning sh- hit and it came down the tree and lit up the table, mm. no one was seriously hurt. But uh, I was told that there was some dancing that uh, I bet. took place. But anyway, back to the story. Kenny loves scotch, and the entire week we were there, we always saw him when we were back at camp, uh, sitting in his uh, fold-out chair with big flask of, of scotch that he brought and then he always had a uh, he'd take a keep a bottle of water and then keep just a couple about an inch or so of water in there put some scotch in there and he just kind of nursed on that the whole time and one particular uh night at camp we had been we pretty much had been in camp for for quite a while and he was just feeling his scotch and just random out of the blue he jumps up out of his chair and walks over and gets on his bike and we're kind of looking around like what's kenny doing and where we were camped at was there was a little hill right behind our campground maybe about an eight foot nine foot elevation and then a big big open field and he jumped on his bike and he rode his bike down to this field and we're kind of watching him and he proceeds in the middle of this field to start doing uh, donuts and figure eights. And every time he would get real sharp in the... And he, he's not on gravel. He's not on the road. He's in a field. I'd say 8, 10, almost a foot of grass mm. in the field. But he's doing these figure eights. And every time, he'd just fall right on over the bike. Him tumbling off of there. And I remember... At, in his lowrider? On his Dino lowrider. rider man. Remember, he's out in the field, so the the bike actually, not a scuff on it, it actually was, was fine, because with the grass, and all right.
1: that. Nice cushion.
0: But the first couple times, he'd fall over, we immediate, our instinct was, we got to jump up, and go help him. Yeah. Oh shit. And, and Charlie and Donnie, both were like, nope, just let him go. Just okay. let him go. And we sat there, and we watched him, and he kept doing this, and kept falling off the bike, but he kept doing it, until he completed the figure eight for whatever reason he uh he was feeling it and and wanted to take advantage of this open field and yeah every time i think about scotch i, I think about kenny
1: doing figure eights in the, <laughs> in the wild wilderness in a big grass field uh my first experience with scotch was at uh was at work we had a uh i, I had a, a co-worker named francisco and he had always talked about this whiskey 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 it's got to be chivas regal it's it's the best thing ever and uh he got it he brought it in and uh we we had a drink after hours of course and uh we had a drink and it was it was so harsh and it was so awful like we both looked <laughs> at each other like what were we thinking it was it was pretty bad i don't know if that's just because uh i had unrefined taste or whatever but i'm pretty sure it's it's a scotch, and it was just, uh, it, it caught us both off guard about how uh, how awful we thought it was. I think cheap it,
0: scotch is pretty awful. <laughs> is, is
1: is it cheap? I don't remember it being cheap. Hmm. I remember, maybe I bought it. I don't know. I have no idea. It's been a long time. Long time. But it was, uh, yeah, We didn't, neither one of us liked it very much, so I think I probably stayed away from most, if not all, scotch for another 10 years or so.
0: That would be why I don't even bother with the johnny walker red label because
1: okay it, it, it's a little too green huh okay i've tried the uh I've, I've tried the black and the and the blue label blue label's fantastic
0: i was gonna say but black is okay blue is blue really I smooth
1: black I, the black label i didn't really see what what was so special about it right but blue even though it's expensive this bottle was like 200 bucks it was definitely good i liked it and i still have I still have some of it. So this Compass, compass Box Pete monster says, uh, is this the background of it here, the story?
0: Yeah, this was just a, a little bit of a, a background on a Compass Box that uh, came off the site.
1: And um, you got directly from the site. So it's yep. a credible source. It says here, the year was 2000 when John Glazer started the Compass Box Whiskey Company in his kitchen. An American in the UK, he used to work for a large distiller before he thought, why not do Scotch whiskey differently and bring back the old model of the Scotch whiskey blending house? He committed himself to blending boutique Scotch whiskies. But how did they go from kitchen to blending room in London with more than a dozen employees, you might ask? (laughs) Uh, Not by compromising inequality, that's for sure. Sourcing only the best oak from the Vosges in France and the woods of Missouri. Hey, I know that state. <laughs> um, making your own custom casks and seeking only the best casks from the very best distilleries ought to do it. Oh, and unlike mass-produced whiskeys, they are careful not to overdo it on the number of components in their blends. I, You know, drinking this... In retrospect, I can appreciate that because uh, it was not overly complicated with a bunch of different flavor notes. It was uh, that they stuck to the to the kiss principle, the keep it simple, stupid mm-hmm. principle. Not the band, right? <laughs> Love God. <laughs> we already talked about that, though. Yeah, I I can appreciate that by keeping it simple. It kept the flavor to me taste more honest and representative of what a good scotch is and should be. And it goes on here to say that their their peat monster has been around for a while, but this wild beast got a makeover in 2019. Well, just in time for the pandemic. The new recipe includes older and more elegant Islay malts. Uh, this means you will be delighted to discover coastal flavors, and some of that smoke- smokiness will be combined with driftwood fire and more medicinal peat notes. There's that medicinal thing, but wait, there's also orchard fruits and rich cask-derived creaminess to balance all that smoke.
0: I'm getting all that, but I'm still just not picking up the uh, orchid fruits.
1: Yeah, well, see, I messed you up and said orchid earlier. It's orchard fruits. Orchard. Right. Yeah. Did yep. I say did I say orchard this time or did I say orchid again?
0: I think you said orchid again. God
1: bless America, <laughs> man. Stupid whiskey, but wait, there's also orchard fruits and rich cask-derived creaminess to all that smoke. To balance all that smoke, this blended malt is matured in first refill casks from the Kahl, uh, Yah, and what in the hell words are these? Where'd you find these? Laffer, Laffer egg yes. distilleries.
0: They make a great Scotch.
1: Do they? Yes. Okay. Uh, and custom french oak and that 's that 's another thing with the french oak i don 't know i don 't know that I could spot the difference between a French or an English or an american oak uh the taste so hopefully, as this goes on, um, we can take this to a um, a place that could put all that in a flight, and we could try each one and and somehow be able yeah. to discern that in the future you know learn it doesn't all have to suck <laughs> bottled at 92 proof and it's not chill filtered it's not such a monstrosity after all it it says here in fact we wouldn't mind running into this monster late at night i don't find it to be such a monster <laughs> no i do n- find it to be maybe maybe so a monster in its simplicity and its uh, greatness in, in taste.
0: You know, I've I've read on several different scotches and whiskeys lately that talk about the not chill filtered aspect of it. And I'm, I'm kind of curious to do a little bit of research as to what does that mean versus a chilled filter? Right,
1: what are the different filtration processes?
0: And what does that do to the profile?
1: Mm-hmm. I know uh, Gentleman Jack, uh, an offering from Jack Daniels, which... I scoff at Jack Daniels, but their gentleman jack is uh it's it's filtered twice it's run through charcoal twice and it mellows it out even more and I really enjoy it so I wonder now if it's chill filtered or mm. or if it's heated in some way I'm guessing it would have to be normal normal filtration would have to involve some sort of heat some sort of heat if this is touting chill filtered, and this isn't the first one we've tried. Last week we tried one that said uh, something about chill filtration in the notes.
0: I, I remember talking
1: about that last week. <clears throat> so if this is going to be a re- reoccurring theme, maybe I've got some more homework to do. And speaking of homework, you did a lot of homework on um, on peat and uh, the introduction of the peat flavoring and what it is and where it comes from. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I knew that peat was the source of a lot of the smoke flavor and aroma that you get in your scotches, but I really wasn't sure what the heck is peat.
1: Right, and, and how does it get into the flavor?
0: Peat, back in whatever century that would have been, that like uh, sc- you said 14th Scotch- century. 14th came to mind, but I'm not sure if that's right or not. Uh, it might have been around longer than that. Peat was a source of fuel for heating their homes, cooking their meals it was readily available peat uh, grows in that marshy region of scotland pretty much all over the place because that area is very wet and does not dry out uh, very easily and so as a result the peat grows quite easily and there's lots of it the article i read said that technically peat would be considered a fossil fuel because of this but the peat is used for a fuel to light the fires in the kilns that dry the malt. And so in that process, a lot of the chemical compounds that are released in the burning process uh, transfers to the malt with the smokiness and the, the tar, salt, briny kind of flavors that you associate with scotch comes from that peat. Mm. And over time, partially with ingredients becoming a little easier to get a hold of and distilleries not having to make from scratch their own ingredients, a lot of distilleries over time have gone away from using peat to kiln-dry their malt. And so I'll, there are a lot of scotches out there that are non-peated scotches and whiskies.
1: It makes me wonder what it is that they're using. Liquid smoke?
0: <laughs> I hope not. But I I think that also goes back to one of the podcasts that I follow. I was listening to one of their episodes recently, and they had an interview with the grandson of Van Winkle. And Pappy is actually what he called his grandfather, uh, Mm. which I thought was kind of cool that that's Mm -hmm. not just the name of, of of a whiskey, but... That's actually what he calls the the founder. He's known as Pappy. But Mm. anyway, he talked about the importance of the high quality ingredients and not sacrificing ingredient quality for profit, which is what has kind of kept them at that that high end, that forefront of the bourbon market. Mm. And so, you know, we read here once again the importance of ingredient quality mm-hmm. is an important piece to the compass box.
1: It's very appreciated. I'm, I'm very very pleased with this with this compass box uh, peat monster. I will uh, add what was the price point on that? Uh, 67 dollars roughly. I mean depending on what market you you can find it $67 for a for a scotch as as tasty as this I would say it's worth every penny
0: and we don't have the the full bottle in front of us or or pictures of it but mm-hmm. yeah definitely uh look it up and check it out all the the bottles that I've seen from them have absolutely beautiful labels You know, we talked a little bit last week with that Von Payne bottle. Yeah, we were blown away just by the design. Right, you know, being drawn in by a kick-ass label or cool bottle or whatever. The marketing aspect of it, it it helps. And, you know, sometimes you find yourself buying something that may or may not live up to what the expectation is.
1: Yeah, I did that with the, uh, the Slipknot Whiskey. Uh, the number nine and uh I I don't regret it. Uh with the blackened, the Metallica, American Straight Whiskey. It's uh it's not I don't think it's the best, but it's definitely not the worst. It's not the worst whiskey I've ever had. But uh just the just the idea of how the, the blackened is uh agitated through sound waves by blasting Metallica music at it just naturally through sound waves just it, it agitates the, the barrels and ages it. I think that's a really cool concept.
0: You know, the first time I heard about that, I, I laughed out loud and just scoffed. I was just like, right, this what, sounds, what a very large thing to do. What a gimmick. <laughs> but then please take my money because right. I want a bottle. <laughs> yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm checking this out. <laughs> but, you know, as time's going on and uh, I got a bottle and I've had... Uh, several drinks of it, and I've thought about it. It's actually, I, I think is it's it's a pretty genius thing, mm-hmm. and it's yes, it's it's very very gimmicky that they're uh, aging it to the sweet sounds of Metallica, <laughs> but
1: <laughs>
0: but specifically they're putting the subwoofers in there with it, and it's those subsonic frequencies that are agitating the barrel. They are and the neighbors. And then, <laughs> but it, it's shaking all that char loose and, and flavoring it versus having someone down there, you know, methodically turning the barrel mm-hmm. to do the same thing. And, and I would think that potentially, if the ingredients are right and everything is in alignment, I would think that process has the potential of doing better for the outcome the overall flavor of it mm-hmm. i completely agree with you though i definitely was not the worst whiskey i've had not the best whiskey but i think it's also a great whiskey that works well when it's blended in a cocktail okay um, okay it makes a great whiskey sour i think so- i would
1: like to try that sometime i may have to get another bottle of that blackened and uh just to have so i can try it again because i don't i don't remember if it was really oaky i don't remember really anything about the flavor of it when it first i shared it with with a bunch of people
0: yeah when it first came out it it was kind of hard to find and when i stumbled upon it i i freaked out and was like yes yes Mm -hmm. here i gotta take this bottle home but now it seems like i see it not Mm -hmm. everywhere but pretty frequently i'll i'll see uh a handful of them on Mm -hmm. the shelf
1: so that that shouldn't be too hard to find (laughs) <laughs> well, that's all we have for uh this week's episode of Savor the Burn. Please uh feel free to reach out to us at uh dot com or personal emails as far as Saver the Burn goes. Info at Savertheburn.com. You can reach me, Jonathan, at uh Jonathan at dot com. You can reach Wayne at W two at dot com. And you can find us on Most, not all, but most of the social medias, including TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks a lot, everybody. We'll uh, see you next time. See you next time. on
0: burning.